cinema soft underbelly. Hello, everyone. I'm Eugene Weaver. Welcome to another episode of Cinema's Soft Underbelly, where you will hear all about the old and the new in the world of horror, exploitation, gore, uh, fantasy, just everything that's way out there on the fringe. Uh, And today, I know that we're not quite to Halloween yet, but uh, any listener out there that that wants some some Halloween movie advice, I thought I'd give it now. That way you have a little bit of time to watch it or to prepare to watch it before the actual date, Uh, because I'm a huge fan of the Halloween season. And I'm a huge fan of Halloween movies, and not just movies centered around the holiday, but the actual franchise series Halloween. And uh, that's what I'm going to touch on today. Now, granted, the Halloween series is very mainstream and very well known. Obviously, if you're even if you're not a horror fan, you've probably heard of the horror franchise. And I'm talking about the ones with Michael Myers. And I've Obviously, I've watched all of them numerous times, and all of them range from some of the finest examples of the horror genre all the way to the dredges of almost unwatchability. Uh, but today, I want to focus on my two personal favorites, and um, I'm not trying to be contrary here with my choices, uh, but they are very different than what probably a lot of people would think as the best of the Halloween, the Halloween series. Uh, but they're ones that, especially the, my favorite one is one that I have championed and sang its praises ever since I saw it for the first time many, many years ago on VHS and since then DVD and now the uh, Scream Factory Blu-ray. Um, so I'm going to start with my very favorite Halloween movie. And I, I've got all sorts of interesting, fun tidbits on that movie the making of it and kind of what went into it. And then uh, I'll hit on the, my other, my, my second favorite Halloween movie in the franchise. And again, you, you'll probably be surprised at my pick, especially beings I originally didn't much care for it. So uh, I'm going to dive into my favorite Halloween movie of the bunch. And you're probably thinking, okay, it was probably going to be either Carpenter's original Halloween or the very, very worthy follow-up uh, Halloween 2, the, the one that was set in the hospital. Granted, those two are fantastic movies. The first Halloween, as scary as it was, I think has lost a lot of its bite. Not that it's not a good movie. It's a fantastic movie. One of the best examples of the slasher movie. But it, it doesn't it doesn't quite do it for me as much as it used to. I actually would probably pick Halloween 2 over that one. Uh, but that's still not my favorite Halloween movie. My favorite Halloween movie of all time goes to Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And uh, this movie was, I, I'm not sure if I want to say it was ahead of its time, but they uh, the studio tried to do something drastically different after Michael Myers was essentially killed off in the end of Part 2. Uh, they decided, John Carpenter decided, okay, let's, let's take the Halloween series in a new direction. I, I love this. Uh, it didn't work, but it was a novel idea. He he said, "Let's take each Halloween movie from he, from this point on, and it's going to be a different storyline, featuring the Halloween season." And uh, we're we're done with Michael Myers, and so hence along comes Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. And um, I think the movie gets a lot of. I think that it's found it's found a, a cult following at this point, 
But at the time, it did not do good at all. Uh, people were expecting another Michael Myers movie, and they did not get that at all. But I think it's very innovative. I think it's fun. It holds up well, even though it's made in 1982, 83. Uh, but what's so cool is that, that to me, Halloween 3 season of The Witch captures the Halloween season, that feel, more than any of the actual Michael Myers movies. Uh, it's just something about it feels like, and the storyline too, it just, it's, it's so much more large scale than, than Michael Myers slasher walking around killing people. Uh, this is not a slasher movie. This is a weird science fiction horror dark, dark movie. And, uh, and I'll get into the, you know, I'll briefly get into the storyline of it, but, but that's one that the less, you know, the better going in other than the fact that obviously Michael Myers is not in the movie. But if you're looking for a fantastic movie set over the Halloween season, that's old school and just cool prosthetic effects. That is, that is my go-to. That is one that I watch year after year after year, right around Halloween. I've actually, uh, my co-host and I, Eric Marner, over on Movie Freaks, we've discussed this movie, and we've actually discussed the other movie that I'm going to be hitting on here uh, shortly on our own show, Movie Freaks. So, Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. Uh, Tommy Lee Wallace is the director. He directed uh, Stephen King's It, the TV uh, movie, which I recently rewatched, and unfortunately, eh. Uh, granted, I had just read the book, and that's the second best book I've ever read. And it's a noble attempt, and I think that Tommy Lee Wallace is a very good director, but you're, when you're taking hard, hard R-rated material and then some and dumbing it down to uh, way back in those times, very, very watered-down TV, it just doesn't work. Uh, and then, and he also did Fright Night Part 2, which I thought was kind of a gem in the rough. I think that that movie gets a lot of un, undue hate. It's It's actually a fairly worthy follow-up to the original. Uh, but one of the main reasons to watch Halloween three season of the witch is, is the badass main actor, Tom Atkins. I have always been a fan of this guy ever since the first time I saw him in John Carpenter's the fog. He's just a, to me, he is horror movies. The horror genre's answer to, uh, to Chuck Norris or Charles Bronson. He's just this bad dude. Uh, that just no one messes with, or no one's able to to pull one over on. Uh, he's in, he's been in Night of the Creeps, My Bloody Valentine remake, which was cool to see him in that. That was a fairly recent release, actually. Uh, and then, of course, John Carpenter's The Fog, Escape from New York. He was in Maniac Cop. Uh, great actor. I, I really like Tom Atkins. He's just a cool dude. Uh, and then also, and I'm I'm hoping I'm not going to butcher this guy's name, but and he's not with us anymore. I believe he passed away in 2005. Dan O'Hearley, I think that's how you pronounce his name, but he was in RoboCop one and two. He was the uh, the head uh, the head of the corporation, and I don't want to get into RoboCop, but uh, you'll recognize him if you've if you've watched RoboCop and then you watch Halloween three or vice versa. You'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Very good actor. Um, I've got to I've got to throw uh, a shout out to Scream Factory right now because they released a fantastic. Blu-ray collector's edition of Halloween 3 a couple of years ago, loaded with uh, special features. The movie itself looks fantastic. 
I highly urge you to watch to, to get this version of it and make sure that you watch. It's called Standalone: The Making of Halloween Three: Season of the Witch. Uh, that is enough reason to buy this Blu-ray. Is for this. It's about forty-five minutes long, a making of, and just it goes into the history of that movie. And it, that's going to give you a lot more details than I will here in the short time that I have talking about this movie. But it is so interesting to hear from the people that made the movie, uh, the ins and outs of making it, why it failed, and its resurgence on home video format, and that it, it actually has found after all these years, it's found an audience. Uh, so anyway, uh, okay, so briefly, the storyline to this movie, I don't want to give too much away, but it's, uh, the synopsis here is an apparent suicide, murder-suicide in a hospital emergency room leads to an investigation by uh, the on-call doctor, which happens to be Tom Atkins' character. Uh, it reve- it's revealed that a plot by an insane toy maker, uh, he's trying to kill as many people during Halloween as possible, uh, and that's because, uh, I, I, again, I, I'm hesitant to give too much away, but there's Halloween masks, Stonehenge is thrown in there for good measure, and it's just bizarre. Uh, robots, and it's great. Uh, so, obviously, by now, okay, you know, Michael Myers is not in this movie, but he actually does make a cameo appearance on uh, TV screens. Uh, there, there's two different instances where Halloween is actually on a TV screen being shown. And uh, I just reading some of the info on this movie. One of the scenes is actually a deleted scene from Halloween. So I'm so I'm told here reading this information. I think that's kind of cool. So so Halloween. Michael Myers actually does appear in this, but you know it's it's kind of the wink wink nod nod thing. Also, Dick Warlock he plays three different characters uh, in the Halloween movies. And Dick Warlock he's he's Michael Myers. He's the shape, uh, and then he's also. Uh, a policeman that in Halloween Part 2, he's the policeman that's driving the car that smashed into the Michael Myers lookalike and it goes up in flames. And then he's also one of the assassins in Halloween 3, Season of the Witch. And if you know how Dick Warlock looks like in person, you'll you'll see him, especially as the assassin in Halloween 3 and the policeman in Halloween 2. Uh, but it's cool that he was in the first three uh, Halloween movies and he was he was in the first couple of Halloween movies as different people. So uh, the the town that the movie is is shot in is called Santa Mira. Perfect setting, perfect Halloween setting. They actually used this town for the 1956 invasion of the Body Snatchers. I think that's really cool. Um, the place that they filmed at, I, I believe, was a, a milk uh, a milk processing plant. Uh, huge, huge, huge building. Works perfectly for the movie and the setting of this place where where these masks are made. Um, after the movie came out, they promoted the movie by selling the actual masks in store, which the masks are so cool that basically the masks are these things that you know, the kids buy and wear, and you're supposed to be watching the TV, and they the, the masks and the TV are connected somehow. And again, I'm, I'm trying to keep it vague, but... The masks, the masks are really cool in this movie. There's a witch mask, a skeleton mask, um, and a witch skeleton. Uh, and there's one, a jack-o'-lantern mask. Uh, so, but they're really cool. Um, there was a book written on the, like a novelization, and that actually, uh, that's actually worth some money at this point. It actually sold fairly well. I remember as a kid, I remember actually seeing that in the stores, in the bookstores. I think that's kind of cool. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm just throwing some information out here. 
Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is the uh, voice of the operator that uh, Chalice is the doctor's name uh, that he, uh, when he's trying to get out, uh, trying to make a call out of Santa Mira. So yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis does a small little role in this as well. Uh, there are other ties to ha- the Michael Myers Halloween. Sam Hain is brought up in the movie, and Sam Hain actually, Michael Myers writes Sam Hain on the uh, classroom wall in Halloween 2. Um, so, but the movie itself is, is it's so focused on the Halloween season and doing dastardly things over Halloween, and the bad guy is such a despicable bad guy with, with what he's planning on doing. Um, yeah, so basically, he's built a whole army of robots uh, to build these or to make these masks and it's so weird and the and the the robots are obviously they're human they, they look human Tommy Lee Wallace originally had wanted to cast all redheads as as the uh, robots but that's not the case in the movie uh, but a couple of them bite the bullet in the movie and when they do it's it's for some reason it's really gross even though they used uh, orange juice as the stuff that seeps out of their mouths but for some reason it's really really gross and it works really good to convey the you know, the illusion that these guys are robots. Um, original director for this movie actually was Joe Dante. I think that's really really interesting. Uh, I'm guessing hot off the heels of the uh, the success of Piranha uh, and I and the Howling. Uh, but I am glad that Tommy Lee Wallace did make the movie because I. Anybody else would have not made it quite like it was made, and that it's such a cool movie. The the, the score is fantastic. John Carpenter obviously uh, did most of the score, and it's so good. It's probably my. I actually would prefer that score over the Michael Myers score. I I have I own the score of Halloween three, and I listen to it every year around Halloween. It's it's just it's got that John Carpenter feel, yet it's very much its own entity in the, the Halloween series. Um, the actual little jingle that you hear throughout the movie, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about. It's the Silver Shamrock. That's the place where these masks are being built. They decided to uh, go with London Bridges as the as the, the theme that they go off of and because it was public domain, so they didn't have to get any rights or anything like that. And it, it's it's such a simple little jingle, but it works so good in the movie, and you will not get it out of your mind once you hear it, especially for an hour and 40 minutes, about the running time of the movie. Um, in typical John Carpenter fashion, and this, just, this has John Carpenter fingerprints all over it. Uh, it has a great up-in-the-air ending that is kind of downbeat, but maybe not, and I love the ending of this movie. It's so good. Um, there actually is a, uh, tying in with John Carpenter, um, there's some, uh, there's the ga- a gas station in in this movie that was a- actually also featured in, I believe, The Fog, and some of The Fog's music is playing on the radio in, in this movie as well. So there's, it's, it's still kind of tied together. I think that's really, really cool. Uh, I, I love the movie. It's man of days. It's just got so much going on in it. There's a there's one scene with a kid and a mask towards the end. You just got to see it to believe it. But it is just the tension is building and building and building. And that's when the big reveal is as to what really is going on and what Cochran really is trying to do 
with these masks, and it is just, oh, man, it's great. I love it. Great, great movie. Pick up the Blu-ray. It's on a standalone release from Scream Factory, and Scream Factory also released a box set with all the Halloween movies uh, and a whole slew of extras, and that's great. There was a couple of omissions that that really surprised me, and, and one of the biggest omissions for me is the movie that I'm going to be talking about next. And it's included in the box set, but not the version that I'm going to be talking about because the the there's a director's cut and there's uh, the theatrical R-rated cut, and they they differ so drastically that that one I I won't watch anymore, and the other one is the only version that I will watch. And the version that I refuse to watch anymore is actually the version that has been released on the box set of the Halloween series. Uh, so next up is. Rob Zombie's Halloween Part 2. And you're probably like, what? That movie was... Uh, guess what? I've, I've watched this several times, and I've watched the, uh, the unrated version. I always go for the unrated version. If you're a horror fan, more than likely you're going to be going for the unrated version of any horror movie that comes out, myself included. So the first time I watched uh, Halloween 2... I watched the unrated director's cut, and I was on DVD. Uh, it got panned so bad in the theaters that I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time. Although I really dig Rob, Zobby, Rob Zombie's movies. I liked his first Halloween movie. Um, House of a Thousand Corpses is one of my all-time favorite horror movies, uh, which I'm going to be getting into that one, and that one and more than likely The Devil's Rejects in another episode because those two movies are fantastic. Uh, and even Lords of Salem. I, I've liked everything that he's done. Um, however, Halloween two comes out on DVD. So I watch it and the first half hour I'm in, I'm like, this is, this is grade a horror right here. It's, uh, kind of a homage to how the original Halloween two set in a hospital, Laurie Strode, Michael Myers, and it is great. And then she wakes up and you know, the Halloween story, you know, the, the, the plot synopsis for the most part, especially even even the Rob Zombie versions. The first Halloween, the, the, actually the first half of Halloween 1 is the backstory of Michael Myers, which is, in my opinion, the best part of Zombies Halloween 1. It's really, really good. And then the second half is cliff notes of the original movie. And it, it works. And it's, it's another one that, upon rewatching, after watching the director's cut, I watched the R-rated theatrical version again, and that's the original one that I watched I saw that in the theater, and I really liked it. Then I, subsequent viewings, I watched the uh, unrated version and much prefer the theatrical cut. Um, but Halloween 2 is a whole nother creature. Um, so yeah, so after the first half hour, or not quite half hour, we find it's a, it's a dream, and now we get into the meat of Halloween 2. And man, that director's cut, it... It was hard for me to get through. Uh, everything out of Laurie Strode and that, and uh, Laurie Strode. I guess I should do a little bit of uh, backstory here as far as the storyline. Uh, Sherry Moon Zombie. Sherry Moon Zombie is one of the main stars as Michael Myers' deceased mother, and then Scout Taylor Compton is reprising her role as Laurie Strode. And she was a little bit annoying in the first Halloween, but not. It wasn't a deal breaker. Halloween 2 director's cut she's she was the reason that I I I disliked it as much as I did when I first watched it and then I watched it again thinking it's it's a Rob Zombie movie and it's a Halloween movie I've got to like this 
And the second time was even more, and I was even more annoyed. I'm like, this is so annoying, and she's such a whiny bitch. And ah, um, so I finally um, just recently watched the theatrical version. Uh, when I found out that the box set was going to have just the director's cuts, uh, some other people online were chiming in about, oh, why didn't they include the theatrical version? It's it's better. And I'm like, maybe I should give that one a, a shot. And so the only way you can watch Halloween 2 and Halloween on Blu-ray, Zombies versions on Blu-ray, is uh, there's a, a Canadian company that released a a double feature. And so I actually imported the movie and uh, the disc, watched them both. And wow, what a difference Halloween to the R rated theatrical cut is. I was totally on board. Everything that was put back into the director's cut was just acting bits, a lot of more, a lot more scout Taylor Compton. And it's, she goes from being, um, after the, the traumatic, uh, events of part one, which I understand, yeah, you're you're going to be messed up after what happened, but the theatrical version is more of what I would expect someone to someone to be going through at this point, versus the director's cut where she just turns into a complete raging hag. Um, and I I couldn't stand her, and you have to have in in a slasher movie, you have to have someone to kind of root for, and in the Halloween movies, that's. That's Laurie Strode, at least for the first couple ones, like in the original, and here too. So you have to somewhat kind of like her. And, and Zombie's first Halloween, yeah, you kind, I kind of liked her. I mean, she was okay. Towards the end, I'm like, she's getting more and more annoying, but it's not a deal breaker It's at, at all. The director's cut of Halloween 2, it was a deal breaker. I'm like, I can't, I can't take this. R-rated theatrical cut, though, cut out all of the, most of that, and I was... So surprised at how much I liked it. I'm talking about, I, I'm like, this is a Halloween movie now. It's well shot and it's creepy. And Michael Myers is such a badass in it. Um, granted, he's this is the hillbilly Michael Myers. You see him without his mask. Uh, you actually see him eating. Um, he actually talks a little bit. So it's you have to be prepared for that. But uh, I like that Zombie made it his own thing. Uh, I believe that he wasn't going to make another Halloween movie, and but they were going to continue on with that, and he wanted he didn't want to lose his baby, so he actually did part two. Um, I think, and, and I haven't seen. I, I know that there is a a making of that got scrapped on this thing, but I'm pretty sure that there was some friction with him and the Weinstein's. Which surprise, surprise, the Weinstein's and friction. Um, but still, I don't want to say too much about that because. It ended up being a great movie. The The theatrical version is huge thumbs up. Huge thumbs up. Um, granted, the first half hour, in either version, if, if you're like, no, I just want to watch the director's cut, the or the R-rated version, the first half hour set in the hospital is horror gold. Everything after that, it's not quite as good, but in the R-rated theatrical cut, it's... Um, it's more than watchable. It's really good. It's a really good continuation of the story and a nice way to wrap things up. Since Halloween 2, and I know that it didn't do that great, it still made some money, but it didn't do that great. Um, there's just, every year it's like, okay, we're maybe going to start making Halloween 3 now. We're not. Now this director's attached now. No. 
Uh, I'm always up for a new Halloween movie, no matter who the director is. Even wading through the crap like Halloween Resurrection with Busta Rhymes and uh, Halloween 5 and uh, even Curse of Michael Myers was meh. Um, but there's still there's still something in every Halloween movie that I enjoy, even the really bad ones, uh, or the ones that, the ones that I think are just. Uh, but Halloween two, Rob Zombie's R-rated theatrical cut. You gotta watch it. It's so good, and uh, it does help to ha- having watched the Rob Zombie's first Halloween. Again, I strongly advise you import the double feature. Canadian Blu-ray. It's not that terribly expensive. Well worth it. Both versions are better than the director's cuts. Um, the uh, Halloween 2, if you're a big Rob Zombie fan and you've seen all his movies, he has an ongoing cast that he reuses, which I, I love. Uh, there, However, in this one here, he doesn't use a lot of those people, which that's okay. I mean, he but I'm just I'm throwing that out there as a as a very big Rob Zombie fan. Um, I'm just looking through some more of my notes here. Uh, the uh, in Halloween one there was, like I said, the first half of the movie was Michael Myers' backstory. The kid that they, that played the role of young Michael Myers, I thought that he was really good in that. I thought that he was just creepy and he fit the bill perfectly. Uh, he actually went through a growth spurt, and so they didn't use him for Halloween 2 because it's a totally different kid because there actually is some flashbacks to him as a kid and Sherry Moon Zombie as his mom, and they're kind of coaching him along and leading him to his what he's supposed to be doing. Uh, so anyway, that's just kind of an interesting little tidbit there. But I would have been, I would have been cool with Zombie making yet another Halloween movie, but it, it, this is a nice... One-two punch. Um, Daniel Harris, by the way, is is in this, and she's kind of modern horror scream queen. I dig her. I think she's really cool. She's been in the Hatchet movies, uh, and she's been. She was actually she actually had a role as uh, um, uh, Jamie Lloyd, I believe, was her name in Halloween four and five, and uh, and that whole storyline there. And so she was. She was good in that, but she's been in a lot of newer horror movies. I I always, I always dig her. I, I I love that she she loves horror movies and she's starring in all these horror movies. That's cool. So anyway, um, so those are the uh, the two Halloween movies in the franchise that I think uh, are just kick ass and uh, I know not popular opinion, but that's okay. I understand that you know most people think that the original Carpenter Halloween is is top dog not only in the Halloween franchise but also in the in the world of horror movies and the slasher genre especially and I get it I understand why it granted there had, there had been slasher movies before then but that really that 78 Carpenter's 78 Halloween really kickstarted what became known as the golden uh, golden age of the slasher film which was the early 80s uh, after after that they just started coming out of the woodwork. I mean, Friday the 13th and Halloween 2, Terror Train. Um, the, the list is the list is so, so, so long. I could spend many, many, many episodes on tons of slasher movies from that back then that are gems in the rough. Even the ones that aren't that great, I still enjoy. I just recently watched one called Final Exam. Scream Factory released it. And uh, it is 
it's bottom of the barrel slasher. But something about those early '80s slasher movies—they're just fun. Uh, and even Halloween Three. Well, that's not a slasher movie. That still has that old school '80s feel to it. Even though they were trying to do something so drastically different, it still captures that that feel. And I think that's why it. it feels so much more like the Halloween season is it's not high-end glossy. Uh, it's just got that gritty that gritty feel to it. Uh, I will say this about the Halloween series. Of all the Halloween movies, uh, I just recently watched Halloween 4 again on Blu-ray, and it's by no means my favorite uh, in that series. In fact, it's, it gets, it's a, gets barely passable grade from me. But I loved the opening of that movie, the the first 10 minutes or so, especially even the opening credits, I thought were so great in capturing what Halloween feels like and the the tone and the music and the and the the shots that they used in that in Halloween 4, I thought were so good. It's just unfortunate that the rest of the movie was kind of a slog to get through, especially uh Michael Myers' mask in part 4 was so lame. Uh, it, it, it looked like, it looked like someone's dime store version of a William Shatner mask that is trying to be like Halloween and it is just lame. But anyway, I'm rabbit trailing. I shouldn't be doing that because I'm focusing on Halloween three season of the witch and zombies Halloween two. watch them both. Give them a try. I think they're fantastic. Those are my two favorite Halloween movies of the entire franchise. And just in time for Halloween, uh, I suggest you go out and get the movies, but please, 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 Halloween 2, Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, I highly urge you to watch the R-rated theatrical version. I've, I've been saying R-rated theatrical version the whole way through this, but I'm trying to hammer it home. Uh, it's so much of a better movie. And uh, By the way, even the ending of the movie is, is drastically different in the theatrical version versus the director's cut, and I think it's much better for it. I really like the ending of, of this one. Everything about it, it works better. And any horror fans out there thinking, well, there's probably not quite as gory. No. From what I hear and from what I've seen, all of the violence is intact. It's just more character beats that they cut out to keep it more of a lean, mean horror movie. It works. Trust me. Um, so, anyway, one of these days, hopefully, Rob Zombie's gigantic making of Halloween 2 will will see the light of day. But I'm pretty sure that the Weinsteins have buried that and made so that it is unavailable. Because on Halloween 1, there is a hours. I want, I want to say it's, oh my goodness, is it two and a half, three? I'm, it, I don't have it in front of me, but there's a huge making of Halloween on, on there. And Halloween 2, there's not. And I know that there was some issues, and I would love to see the behind the, behind the scenes on that movie and how it went down. And um, I will give the Weinstein's credit, though. Uh, if they're the ones that pushed for the theatrical version, then thumbs up to them because it's the superior version. So buy the Blu-rays, support horror movies, support the Halloween series. It really is a great series, uh, even with some duds in there. Uh, I always welcome a new Halloween movie. So anyway, that's going to do it for me today. Make sure that you check us out over at MF Pod on YouTube. That's Movie Freaks. My co-host and I, Eric Marner, we talk about right now, especially we're talking about all things horror for the month of October, but we touch on all sorts of different types of movies and we have a great time and drinks are involved and it's fun. And then also friends over at Cinema Sidekicks, they're 
talking uh, new release stuff, classic stuff. It's always good to listen to uh, to their show, and uh, they have higher, much much higher production values than I do. But uh, we're all talking movies here. We all love movies, and uh, so yeah. Anyway, that's going to do it for me today. You can get a hold of me at Eugene Weaver at Hotmail uh, As always, I appreciate you listening and any feedback be it good or bad, suggestions that you have for me, please send them my way. I'll watch darn near anything, and I'll review darn near anything. Always always looking for uh, new movies, gems in the rough, even movies that aren't that good. I still try to find uh, something to enjoy out of them or something that is makes it somewhat worth my while. So anyway, until next time, thanks for listening. <laughs>